0: Welcome to the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast, where you will learn how to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, finance, turn around, and operate mobile home parks. And now, here is your host, the fifth largest mobile home park owner in the United States, Frank Rolfe. Negotiation is one of the most misunderstood concepts in American business, and nowhere is it more misunderstood than when negotiating to buy a mobile home park. This is Frank Rolf. Today we're going to be going over three action steps you need to know to negotiate the acquisition of a mobile home park. The first one is simple. You cannot push people around who don't need you. What do I mean by that? Well, if you read most negotiation books, you'll read that what they tell you to do is to put people into a corner, to put pressure on them such that they kind of cry uncle and will ultimately give you the price that you seek. But that's not how it works in the mobile home park business. Here's why. Most every person you will be negotiating with owns their mobile home park free and clear and has absolutely no financial pressure at all. So if you think you can push somebody into a corner and say, hey, take it or leave it, here's my best deal, and get them to say, oh gosh, oh please don't walk out of the room, I'll take your price, you're in the wrong line of work. Because mobile home park owners, if they're one thing, it's they're never under financial pressure. Now, they can be under under other types of pressure. We've bought a lot of mobile home parks from people who have health issues, marriage issues, buy them from estates. But typically, once again, it's not really a money pressure. It's more of a time pressure. And if you try and push them around and bully them on pricing, they're just not going to work with you. That's why we've long been advocates of what's called win-win negotiating, which it's easiest to define if you look at its corollary win-lose negotiation and why that does not work. In win-lose negotiation, one party is always unhappy with the ultimate deal. You always have the happy party and the unhappy party, and that's why it's called win-lose. Now, typically in those kind of deals, what happens is the person is concerned that the buyer or the seller will go with somebody else, so they're concerned about time pressure, coupled with the fact they've got some kind of financial thing going on. They can't make their mortgage payment. They've got a big tax bill that comes due, whatever the case may be. So backed into a corner, the savvy buyer or savvy seller, under the win-lose negotiation style, pushes the other party to a position they don't want to be in, resulting in a price that's either too high or too low. However, when you work with people who don't need you, people who already have the property with no debt on it, no encumbrance, plenty of cash to pay the tax, it's an entirely different playing field. So if you're going to buy mobile home parks, the first thing you need to do is throw away every single book you ever read, every single thought you ever memorized from one of those win-lose negotiation books, because it's simply not going to work. If you read Donald Trump's book, The Art of the Deal, That's an example of a win-lose negotiation book, and there's many, many, many other books that are similar. They're perfectly factual and great reads, and I've read all of them, and in certain applications, like if you're buying a mobile home park for a bank in distress as REO property, then they're very, very great points. But for the average seller of the mobile home park, for the average mom and pop out there, those points will not be applicable, So you need to abandon any dreams you have of win-lose negotiation, because win-win negotiation is really where it's all at in the mobile home park industry. The next action point is you need to start thinking not as the buyer, but as the seller. In fact, you need to give yourself a promotion. You need to start working for the seller, because sellers respond very well to what we call consultative negotiating. Now, what is consultative negotiating? What a strange name what is what could that possibly mean what it means is if you have a seller who's trying to sell a property and they're trying to get the best price they can although hopefully trying to be fair about it it throws them completely off guard when you see things through their viewpoint and not yours most sellers are used to the buyer being completely one-sided all they want to do is buy the property for as little as they can and to get there they'll manipulate every fact possible They'll make bold statements of things that are broken, which really aren't. They'll come up with all kinds of excuses why the property is worth less than it really is. But when you take a consultative approach, when you put on that, hey, I'm an employee of the seller hat, what it means is you don't lie to them. You don't tell them your, your sewer lines are shot when, in fact, the tests show that the sewer lines are fine. Instead, what you do is you constantly give them the facts. You give them three bids or cost to fix things that need to be fixed and you act as though you're really more than just a buyer you're an agent for them in many ways what you're doing is you're taking that important step that the broker was supposed to be doing and instead of the broker doing the homework and figuring out oh we got these potholes we have these dead trees and here's what we're looking like as far as cost to fix them you do that work for them so you're really doing what a broker really should be doing And your reward for doing that is that mom and pop are going to really like you and appreciate you and think you're totally telling them the truth, and they'll definitely see things your way, because they're going to realize that not only are you a great person, but the next buyer who's intelligent will also come up with the same issues. So it's very, very important to always pretend, if nothing else, to be working for the seller, to be seeing things their way. We had a situation a while back of a park that had a lot of waterline issues. Now we could have told the seller, "Hey, we've got to go out there and replace all of your water lines," and thrown out just some kind of made-up number like it's going to cost three hundred thousand dollars to replace them, so we need a discount of three hundred thousand off the price. That would have been the easy approach, but would have been a successful approach. Instead, what we did is we actually had a company come out called American Leak Detection. Check the water lines, identify where each of the leaks were and how large the leaks were. Then we got three bids from plumbers showing what it would cost to fix those water lines. And we presented the seller with the situation. Number one, the study from American leak detection of where the leaks were. Number two, three bids and going with a low bid, what exactly it would cost to fix those leaks. Given that evidence, the seller was willing to drop the price because obviously not only had we A done a lot of work, a B, the next intelligent seller buyer would do the same. And number C, they wanted to get those water leaks fixed because if the deal didn't close, they still wanted to get them fixed. And taking that little extra effort is so very important in getting the seller to trust what you're telling them. Remember that when people want to negotiate or renegotiate a price. What they're really asking you to do is to lower your standards. You're going to have to accept things you didn't think in the first place. You thought the property was worth X. Now the buyer's coming back to you wanting you to readjust that down to Y. And that's tough for many people to accept. But it's extremely tough when you don't show them any scientific proof or reason why you're asking for the discount. The better method is to show them exactly why you're asking for the discount Because then, if they believe you and your statement, then they're more apt to not only A, lower the price, but B, be able to rationalize that to other people. You know, most people that sell mobile home parks still answer to others. They've got the spouse, they've got kids, they've got friends, they've got their tax advisor, their attorney. They've got to rationalize to them why they make certain moves. And when they can go to them, when the attorney says, Gosh, I can't believe, Bob, you lowered the price by 100 grand. Are you crazy? And Bob answers, No, actually, 100,000 is completely reasonable. They did three bids to those problems with the sewer line, and 100,000 was the lowest, which was still a really good deal because the highest bid was 200,000. That's the kind of information that people need. You know, there was a study done on people and the way they look at products a while back. And they found that most people make very kind of rational purchases. They do it basically based just on feelings, but then they try and rationalize why they did it. They instead do an irrational avenue and then take a lot of work into rationalizing why they bought that car, why they bought that bed, why they chose that vacation spot. They chose it because they saw the photos of how great it looked, but then they had to rationalize why. So they read up and said, well, it's because it's economically priced and the weather's great, and th- those kind of arguments. It's the same with mom and pop when they go to sell their mobile home park. If you want them to lower the price, if you want them to carry paper, all of these items must be attached to a very rational argument that they can then tell the other people who were in the decision-making process or at least in the general loop of getting the deal done. Finally, the third action step is just to always remember that you cannot go backwards when negotiating To buy a mobile home park. Now, what the heck am I talking about going backwards? Why would you want to throw your negotiation car in reverse? Well, here's what happens to a lot of people. Let's assume you've run the numbers and that mobile home park is worth $500,000. That's the price you need to make that a good buy. So, what do they do? Well, if they go to mom and pop and they say, hey, I'll buy your mobile home park for $500,000, mom and pop are always going to counter back with a higher number. They're going to come back and say, well, I won't do 500, but I'll do 575. And now you're trapped. You're in a bad position. You can say, well, no, I'm firm at 500, which really upsets people. Or you can agree to 575, but now you've overpaid for the property. Always remember that when you negotiate, you always want to go in if you're the buyer with a lower price than you're willing to pay. And obviously, if you're a seller with a higher price than you're willing to accept because humans, particularly Americans, love to negotiate. Now, in some countries, it's even worse than our country. There are some countries where every product out there is negotiable. They go to the grocery store and they negotiate the price of every single item. We can't do that in America very easily the way we're set up. I can't fathom going into the Safeway store and saying, hey, this box of Ritz crackers is marked $1.49. I'll give you 89 cents. The clerk just would tell you, no, I'm sorry, sir, go put it back. And even the manager of the store would probably tell you to get out. So we don't do a lot of negotiating in the U.S., but real estate is one item that most people are fully prepared to negotiate on. So when you give a price, it better leave a lot of room for the other party to raise the price. It's a pretty easy concept. Yes, many, many people make the terrible mistake of throwing out their initial price too high. I think they do that because of fear of rejection. So they're afraid that if they throw out a price that's a little lower than what, than what they want to pay, that possibly mom and pop may say, no, I don't want to do it at that price. You're crazy. Get out of here. So they'll go in with a price that's too high, and then they'll find they can't go backwards. Now, if you're listening to this podcast recording, I assume you like to watch and listen to different things and kind of explore and learn about things. So if you haven't seen it, I'd like you to go watch two television shows, both on the History Channel. One is called Pawn Stars. The other is called American Pickers. They're both fairly popular shows. A lot of people are into antiques and odd items and like to hear the history of them. But the reason you should watch those shows is they are a constant continuum of nothing but negotiation. And on those shows, you'll see proven over and over again, you never go in with the price you're trying to achieve. You always, as a buyer, go in at a lower amount. What's the one thing you notice in Pawn Stars American Pickers, they virtually never, ever agree to what the person says. Even if it's a great deal, they want to haggle. The person says, I've got this baseball card, it's all over eBay for $1,000, and I want $1,000 for it. They know that's not going to work. Number one, they're going to offer probably half that so they can make a profit. But number two, even if it's worth $10,000, they're always going to negotiate back A lower price, trying, or I'm sorry, a higher price, trying to get that little thing called negotiation geared up. So you've got to start watching those two shows, American Pickers and Pond Stars. If you could, they're on a night, they're on on reruns. You can look at them on your cable. I'm sure there's some recording device there where you can watch an old episode. And you'll quickly see that you can't go backwards. You've got to play the game. You've got to start off low, let the person counter, and then you come up. In fact, we've learned over the last two decades, if you give a seller the price they're asking, let's just say the mom and pop have priced their mobile home park at $725,000. If I call up mom and pop and say, hey, I'll take it. I'm sending you a contract for $725,000. Those deals always go bad. That's because mom and pop feel that they've underpriced it or you would not accept their price. So what they'll typically do is when you send the contract in for $725, realizing they must have underpriced it, why would you agree to it? They'll now counter it at a higher price by claiming that it did not include things. Normally it did not include the park-owned homes, or maybe it didn't include the land next door. They'll come up with some reason to come back at you at a higher price because that's how it's played in America. You have this thing called negotiation. You've got to play the game. So, what should you do instead? If you think the property is worth $725, never ever offer $725. Offer $650, let them counter back to you. They might counter back to you at $750. And in the end, you end up maybe settling at $725 or maybe a little less. But it's that very act of going back and forth that's so vital to the seller believing they actually got a good price. Don't deny them their God-given right to negotiate. And since you know they're going to negotiate, never set a price that is your maximum on your offer. Because again, you can't go backwards. You can't offer 500 and then they counter with, how about 550 and you say, well, how about 450? No, that has to come on the front end. 450 on the offer, They counter at 550, and then you settle at 500. It is literally a game, and some people get annoyed that you can't just, everyone can't just be totally honest and say, hey, here's my best price. Obviously, some car manufacturers are now trying to do that. Tesla, for example, tries to show you, here's our price. We don't negotiate, take it or leave it. But for the 99.999% of every other product in America that's a big ticket item, negotiation is the norm. And as a result, you've got to play by the rules of the game. So again, this is Frank Rolf with Mobile Home Mastery. I hope you enjoyed these three action steps to negotiating a mobile home park to purchase. On our next installment, we'll be doing the three action steps for due diligence. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast. Be sure to visit us at MHPMastery.com to subscribe to the show, read our show transcriptions and access all of our great information on mobile home park investing.